0: Jesus Hallelujah Just raise your hands And just begin to praise Him Praise you Jesus Praise you Jesus Receive the praises of our mouths The fruit of our mouths and the fruit of our lips We praise you We worship you we give you glory and honor. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father, that as the Word of God is being ministered, that as I submit myself completely as a vessel for your Holy Spirit to flow through, and that it will, there will be nothing of myself but all of you. And I pray, Father, that your word and your Holy Spirit that is already present here to make your love known to us and to receive our praises that the Holy Spirit will minister life to us and change us and bring us closer and nearer to You. Thank You, Lord, that every ear is ready to hear, every heart is ready to receive, every mind is quieted so that the Word of God can penetrate into the Spirit and the soul of every person, Father. We thank You, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I thank you that you anoint every person. Anoint them to hear what they must hear. Anoint them to hear what they must hear. In Jesus' name. Do you agree with that? Say Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, Thank God for sound. <coughs> Praise, the Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Yellas, is I welkom, Miso? Ekis Bla Yellas, he's of a night. Alle jylle mense, van nabij en van ver, ek is bly dat jylle fanatiese by ons mooi kerk kan kom hou. Amen. En al die Engelse mense sê amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Uh, you know, when, when we have moments uh, like we have just had, sound and song, um, sometimes it's, uh, it's you find yourself in a place where you just want to enter in more and more. I know for myself that when I listen to our praise and worship, when I listen to us on the, in, on the internet or on YouTube, and I listen to the messages that have been preached, and I listen to the sound and song that has been played every Sunday, I, I enter in fully, once again, and again, and again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, God did an amazing thing for Pastor Sharon and I, and he is doing amazing things and wonders and miracles and signs um, for us. You know, uh, the Lord really wanted us to wanted us to start a Bible school in Ethiopia. And um, in order to do that, we had to start an office, actually have a physical We had to have a a government approved registration and then we had to have a physical office. And only after you have a physical office address can they open up a bank account for you, even though you have a government registration. And so, uh, praise God, it's all done. It's all done. And that meant we had to pay pay the rent and it's the way it is in Addis Ababa at the moment you have to pay rent six months in advance plus first month's rent and and so it goes and you have to pay it in US dollars and so praise God that's been done and uh, you know uh, getting into Ethiopia and starting the ministry there is just a sign and a wonder that in a time of where the pandemic is not over yet, and now it seems like they're shutting down China. My China, but... You know, they're shutting down big cities in China all over again because apparently there's a new variant of, of this thing that's coming in China. And so I had a chat to some of my Chinas, and I told them that it may not leave China and come to us, you know... Um, my Chinas are the angels, <laughs> now, I told them to go there and they must stop the virus there, they mustn't come anywhere, anywhere else in the world, it must belong to the Chinese, so my Chinas and I had a good chance of chatting together to make sure that it stays in China, amen, hallelujah, but the world is still a bit crazy about this thing and America has just said that they're going to keep a mandate of masks on for another two weeks and and it's you know the world is still crazy a little bit but even in these crazy times god's work in what he's doing in us and with us and through us is just growing and it's increasing and it's building and it's getting stronger so praise the lord for that you know and i thank god that pastor sharon and i uh, were able to go to president's cabinet with Brother Jerry and um, be there with him and then be on a special mission with him. And so some of those things uh, are not uh, for public consumption, but there are a few things that I can speak about. And so I'm going to show you some pictures because they say a picture is as a thousand words, right? So do you want to see some pictures of whatever... Okay, so I'll, be, so I'll stand this side over here by the drum cage so they can show the pictures. This is when I try to talk to the, my exchangers and we were, testing, we were testing the speed of the, re, the replies. And so this is us in Brother Jerry's new studio. Amen. 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 There's not too many people that can get to do that. It has a favor to do that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So change when I say change. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Don't just go on a circle here of every 10 seconds, ne? Brother Jerry, he uh, Holly Davidson brought out a special edition. And um, he allowed me to take this picture of... A special edition that he bought and it's called The Revival, The Revival Edition Harley Davidson. So, praise the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Please move on. That's The Bike Revival. Please move on. This is in Brother Jerry's Falcon 50. Hallelujah. Praise, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on, that's a cool picture. Again, there's not too many people that get to do that. We are favorites. Hallelujah. Next one, please. Well, I took pictures of everywhere we went of the food that we were eating because everywhere we went, Brother Jerry saw to it that we were very fed up. And, um, and so, I mean, uh, it was just an amazing thing wherever they took us. It was just, the food was amazing. So I don't know what that food was, but it, it looks pretty good, eh? I mean, we ate so much. We ate so much. We ate so much every day. We ate so much. So, I wonder I'm not to ostracize. I am. If you think I'm carrying a few extra kilos before I left, I am. You're not imagining it. So, next slide, please. That's just one of the other restaurants that we went to with Brother Jerry. So, at least this. Water in the bottle. They can see it's water. We don't do any we don't drink anything else, neither does Brother Jerry. Praise the Lord. Hey, that's a hot babe that (laughs) day. I hang out with some very hot babes. (laughs) Hallelujah. Only one really, I mean. (laughs) Under the palm trees. (laughs) like Adam and Eve (laughs) next one please so uh, I wanted to show you this picture here because Jerry Savell has his own napkins with his own uh, design you see it on my lap there, the napkin and uh and he has, a, in his Falcon 50, he has a, his own espresso machine put in there. And no one else is allowed to use it, only him. And he won't allow anybody else to make coffee when you're flying, only him. So he asks you if you would like coffee, and then he serves you coffee. Anytime you want coffee, you get served a special cup of espresso with how much cream do you want, how much sweetener do you want. Come on there's no that's a, that's the way to fly <laughs> when you when your When your pastor wants to make you coffee like that, you know it's like every time you get on the plane, can I please have a cup of coffee, you know <laughs> He's waiting for it. I promise you he waits for it. He, it's like once the plane is up like, anyone want coffee? <laughs> we had one flight that was only twenty three minutes long, and that's the only flight he didn't offer us coffee, but he still offered us. Cold drink or water? Praise the Lord. Next one, please. So this is uh, Sharon and I with uh, Brother Jerry's full-time employed pilots that uh, travel with him wherever he goes. And uh, that is the Falcon 50. It's anointed and it's blessed. And I'll tell you, when you when you take off when you take off in that aeroplane, it's smooth, and when you land, it's smooth. And these pilots, brother Jerry has a brother Jerry has a, um, a a habit, if you like, a pattern that he follows, and he would ask us when we were flying with him. He would, you know, he would, he does it most of the time, but every now and again he'd ask one of us to pray and we all put our hands on the the top of the roof of the plane before we fly and we pray for the safety of God, the protection of God, smooth flying and then we pray for all the partners that help to pay for this way of transportation. And so every time he flies, it's, he does it without fail, without exception. Every time he flies, he prays for his partners that help him and bless him that he can fly that way. That's cool, eh? Next one. I can't remember how many pictures I gave you, but I gave you a few. Am I? Is it the last one? Last one. Okay. That's all you got for tonight. Hallelujah. hallelujah praise the lord i don't need a falcon 50. hallelujah but if you do need one and you need places to go and i'll tell you what um what became so clear to us and every time we would we would comment on it because it's so amazing to pastor sharon and i that the things that brother jerry got to do while we were there and the things that we did with him there's just no ways you can go to that many churches and that those many things you can do if you have to fly commercial it's just not possible to get to everywhere and do everything you're supposed to do if you just if you're flying commercial and uh, i thank god that uh when Jesus needed a, a donkey, he didn't have to buy one, he just spoke and said it's waiting, go get it. Yes? yes? And so if 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 he could if God if God could require a donkey, then pastors can require the tools that they need too. Yes. To be about his business. Yes? yes. Hallelujah. There's a lot of people that get bent out of shape because, uh, because of, of uh, flying. I, I was just talking to Brother Jerry again on this trip and I asked him how many miles he had traveled on commercial airlines and he said, well, I think with American airlines, he wasn't sure because he hasn't flown commercial now, obviously for two and a half years at least because of the pandemic. And when he has ministered internally around in America, he's gone there with his own plane. But he said, I think with American Airlines, I've done three and a half million miles. And I think with Delta Airlines, he's done over two million miles. Um, so that's excluding all of the miles that he's traveled already with all of the ten airplanes he's owned before. And so he, 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 he's ministering away at other churches, as he has said here before twenty one or twenty two days out of every month he's preaching somewhere different. You know what commitment it takes to the call of God? Do you know what commitment it takes i tell you I'll tell you how you live when you live like that because we just did a little bit of it with him, but I'll tell you what you live how you live when you live like that you leave some of your clothes at home and you pack for the next two days and you come home and you unpack and you pack again and 12 hours later or 24 hours later, you're back on the plane and you pack for the next two days or next one night Or and you come home and you pack again and, you, and every time you go to drive to the airport, and to where the plane is it doesn't matter that it's a private plane you still got to get yourself there you got to get yourself on the plane there's a whole ritual that you have to follow before you get on the plane for safety reasons and all those things And when you land there's a ritual that you got to go through every time and so when you get there then there's somebody to pick you up where you're going to go and preach with at the church that night they come and they pick you up with their car and many times it's someone you hardly you might not have seen that person before you don't know them uh, sometimes there's new pastors that maybe um, he's only met once and the Lord told him to go and minister at their church. So he hardly knows anybody there. And then he's off the plane into a car, talking to somebody new, going to a hotel room, waiting for the evening service, preaching there, talking with the pastor, getting back to the hotel room, sleeping in the night, getting up or, or flying back the same night on his plane. I don't know if you understand that you've been doing that for 50 years. You get tired even me telling you that. (laughs) Right? He's been doing that for 50 years more. He's been doing that. That means you're committed to the call of God in your life. It means you're committed to God in your life. Because you can't do all of that unless you have the love of God in you for the things that He wants you to go and speak to other people. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And uh, we were privileged and privileged, or you know, and we are always privileged when He chooses to share stories with us of of his life and his ministry and the beginning of his of his ministry. And when you realize that in the beginning of his ministry, the first two years of his ministry, you know, he was with Brother Copeland, those years they weren't, they were not known. Nobody knew who they were. And so you we forget when you see the aeroplanes like this, you forget that when he was ministering with Brother Copeland, they would get in a car and they would go three weeks on the road and then they would be back for a couple of days be with their families then they would go for another three weeks and they would drive everywhere and every day Jerry Savell, who was Kenneth Copeland ministries would you've heard you've heard him tell the story he would take out all of the cassette stuff all of the sound system everything and and brother Copeland would say turn me on Jerry You know, we forget that in those days there was a commitment to the call of God before they knew that all of this stuff was going to happen. They were doing it out of obedience and out of love for God because that's what God told them to do. Hey. So, I'm, you know, I'm grateful and I'm thankful to God that that He's, He's given us relationship and He's given us, He's blessed us and honoured us with a, a heritage that we have. You know, it's a glorious and a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. It's a glorious and a wonderful thing. And so, I want to it's in my heart to just say this to you that we had conversations about the early years of his of his of his walk with God. So you remember how he started his ministry, and I'm going to be teaching. I'm going to be teaching certainly the my exchanges, but. Uh, I'm going to do it in front of a camera so that other people can get to hear it. But I have previously taught on the bo- on the book, the footsteps uh, in the footsteps of a prophet, um, and we have a little workbook that goes with it and all that. Um, but Brother Jerry was speaking to us again this time while we were with him, and he said, in the three months that he stopped his business so he closed his his paint and body shop and he three months later he would go into the ministry with kenneth copeland and for three months he would work every day as, as though he was working in his paint and body shop. But his work was, he would go and he would turn on the tape recorder and he would listen to every message that Kenneth Copeland preached. And he would study the Bible, and read the Bible, and, and immerse himself for eight hours of the day. So when he would take a coffee break, when he would take a lunch break, a tea break, now he did it studying the Word. In that period of time, the Lord spoke to him and told him that he would be known around the world as carrying the message of being, having the favor of God. This is the first three months. He said, I couldn't tell anybody what God told me in my study as I was working and and being before Him, I couldn't tell anybody because nobody would believe that I'd heard from God three months into my walk with God that I'm now committing my life to God. God told me I would be known around the world as the man carrying a message of the favor of God. Fifty years later, fifty years later, he is known as what? In favor of God. A man who has God's favor and let me tell you hanging around him is we experience favor. I'll tell you we watched the favor of God and I can't tell you these examples because uh you know they were in circumstances that brother Jerry hasn't given us the the release to be able to share them but we watched the favor of God in action where there was a certain a situation that was happening in front of us and it was nothing like he expected that he would find. Nothing. In five minutes, two phone calls happened and he didn't make one of them. Two phone calls happened in five minutes and everything that he had expected came into being. Five minutes. We watched it happen. It's extraordinary. And so the Lord just spoke to him all those years ago and and we live in increase by association. And when I start ministering to the my exchanges, I encourage you, all of you, to get the messages that I'm going to be ministering on the in the footsteps of a prophet because because you need to you need to tap into and push push for the favor of God it's it's our legacy our right God divinely connected us with Jerry Sabell there wasn't it wasn't just he liked me and I liked him and so then you know I got to run his ministry in Africa and all of that, God brought us together in a supernatural divine way and it's because he wanted favor to be continued as a legacy. Faith, favor, healing, miracles, all of these things that are in our lineage of faiths from Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, all of the things that God has placed in our legacy Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Savale, all of these things are our portion. The grace that is upon them is a grace that we have access to. Do you want to walk away from that? Or do you want to walk towards that? I know for myself, I want more of that. Hallelujah. It's no coincidence that Pastor Sharon and I have experienced the, the supernatural abundance and favor of God on this trip to America as we had never experienced it before. Never. I can't even begin to tell you how, how God favored us, blessed us how we experienced for ourselves the blessing and the favor of God. Increase by association. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. If you, hang around, if you hang around people that are political, or you hang around people that have gotten something negative to say all the time, if you hang around people that are, are not talking God, if you don't hang around anybody, You just stay with your own thoughts and your own... You're going to become your own self-centered person. But you can choose to hang around people that speak the word, speak faith, that speak favor, that speak the blessing of God. And then you get that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So... uh, If you read in in Second Kings chapter four, so you know the story, and uh, I I going to just make uh, one or two points out of the story, but but and you're going to be uh, you're not going to expect what I'm going to say. But First King Second Kings chapter four verse one says, "A certain woman of the wives." of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah saying, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. You got the picture? Big debt, two sons, slavery until the debt is paid. Got it? So so the rest of the story is That uh, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? And she she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And you know the rest of the story. You can read the rest of the story. He said, you start pouring and you keep pouring until all the vessels are full. And when all the vessels are full of oil, you go and sell the oil and pay your creditors. There's, there's, so the miracle is the miracle of multiplication. The miracle is the miracle of obedience. That God can take a little jar of oil and and make so much out of it instantaneously that she could, pay, she could make a whole business out of a very little and actually pay off all her debts. You got it? I want to show you what the key factor of this is. A certain woman of the wives of the sons Of the prophets. Who was Elisha? Senior prophet. Elisha was the senior prophet in Israel. He received a double portion of the anointing of Elijah. Who was the senior prophet in Israel. You got it. Senior prophet. So this woman comes to him. She doesn't just come to him as a woman coming to a prophet. She is a woman who is the wife of a prophet who died. Most likely a prophet who, say, who served Elisha at some point because she says, your servant, my husband, is, there, and you know that your servant Feared the Lord. So this prophet served Elisha. Now let me just show you that what happened is that the favor and the blessing of God that was on Elisha's life was now passed the grave, it passed life into the grave. It even when a prophet had died that had served the living prophet, she was able to make a pull on the anointing and the blessing and the favor of God where increase came by association. Beyond the grave. Because your servant feared the Lord and your, so you know how your servant feared the Lord. That means they had a relationship. Hallelujah remember this was still the time of jezebel this was still the time of the prophets of baal this was still the time of 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 uh well jezebel had not yet actually been confronted and killed yet elijah stopped short of that he he, he killed the prophets but there were still people that were serving Jezebel and, 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 and there were still people that were after that religious cult. And she makes a pull on the, on the prophet of God and says, because he feared the Lord, he didn't fear some other God, he didn't fear the king, he didn't fear, he feared the Lord. He didn't fear poverty Somehow, something had happened and he had got himself into a a bad situation. But favor, favor, got her out of... So not only did it save her, but it saved her sons and it saved their entire future. Hey, tomorrow afternoon tomorrow morning we're gonna have a morning wonderful morning we're gonna we're gonna have a interview with Andy and Penny and uh my dad's cousin so therefore my uncle I always used to call him uncle Andy and he used to say stop calling me uncle Andy you know we're too old for that so but praise the Lord uh uh, we're going to have a good time tomorrow, but tomorrow evening, Brother Joe and Brother Jerry are going to minister to us. And I'm preparing you in this message tonight that there is a there is something that you can get tomorrow. Sure. You should be receiving it already because we went away for 20 days. We spent all of our time, all of our time with Brother Jerry. Well, maybe except two days when we just arrived there, we... We are waiting for the cab president's cabinet to start. Otherwise, we spent all of our time with Brother Jerry. And I've spent 25 years. He asked me this. We had a, we had a, a special board meeting, and he asked me a question in the special board meeting. He asked me the question. He said, so what does JSMR mean to you, John? And so it, it just poured out of me the legacy of Smith Wigglesworth and Oral Roberts and Kenneth Copeland and Jerry Savelle, that that my association with Jerry Savelle Ministries is not just because, because there's a ministry, there's a partner. So you understand that we are the only ministry office in Brother Jerry's world that he doesn't employ anybody and he doesn't pay anybody a salary. We do that as a seed from our ministry to his. Every other, every other office that he has, he pays people salaries and he has expenses. His ministry in South Africa, he has no expenses, zero. Everything we do, we bless him with it. We have a right, we all have a right, because I made a decision that that's the way that we are going to serve him. You could say, you know, Brother Jerry, how your servant fears the Lord. Amen. Amen. Because you can't serve another man like that unless you understand the divine connection that God puts you in. If you don't have a revelation of that divine connection that god puts you in then you can't receive from that divine connection because it's not a divine connection to you it's just another relationship and i can't give you that revelation and i don't want you to do anything about it if you don't have the relation the revelation but if you don't have the revelation you should ask god to make it real to you amen Praise the Lord. So I want to let you know, and, and it's, 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 uh, it's in my heart that I, I believe that God is increasing and multiplying our resources as a ministry. And He is accelerating everything. It's, it's the Word of God. You're going to hear it from Brother Jerry tomorrow night and and uh, i heard it a couple of times when i was with him we heard it but and every time you get something new from it because he's getting new revelation from it you know and uh but there is there is a there is a protection there is a safety there is a there is a powerful recognition that when the word of god is spoken and if he says that god is accelerating things then I, I take it. I take it. Amen. Hallelujah. So big and bold version 2 in 22 goes well with God is accelerating things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I believe that the anointing of God i believe that the holy spirit is ministering to you i believe right now that the holy spirit is changing your mind working in your spirit and your soul and 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 confirming to you that god has never put relationships together just in a haphazard way he has a perfect picture puzzle that he puts all the pieces together, and he's he's designed your life and my life for us to walk together flow together and have the things that God has put into our into our walk with God. He has put it into us so that we could do the work of the ministry that we can become fully mature, fully equipped saints that Ephesians talks about, and that we would do the work of the ministry and that we would be assigned to all the principalities and powers that we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't just throw people together on a Sunday and say, that's church. No, the church is made up of a, of, a, of, a, of divine connections that God has Puzzles together in communities, in cities, in different places. He's put things together not just because he's got a plan. And so I thank God that we are part of this plan. Hallelujah. I'd like to read to you from Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. If you think that God doesn't know what you're thinking and doesn't know what your heart looks like and doesn't know what's going on in your life, He knows everything. We may think because other people can't see what's going on inside of us, God can't. He does. Everything. That's what the word says. You, you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. Even though I don't feel like you're close to me, you're afar off. So he wasn't a born again person here, but he was a covenant man. He was a, he was a child of God. This is a Psalm of David. You understand my thought afar off. Before I even thought it, you understand what I'm thinking. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all of my ways. If you think God doesn't know, hey, I'm going to be a little bit basic here. But if you think God doesn't, God's not with you when you go to the toilet, I've got news for you. He created you to go to the toilet. Come on, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you when you go to the toilet. I mean, I know that's a bit graphic, but I'm trying to tell you that you think there's something that you that God's not with you and doesn't know what you're doing all the time. All the time. Don't have too much fun with that this week. Eh? <laughs> For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. Every word that you speak, whether you speak it in the privacy of your home, whether you speak it on a private telephone call, whether you, whether you, are, you think that no one else will hear what you're saying, God hears it. And if he chooses to expose it, it will get exposed. Everything. You have hedged me before, behind, and before. You laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Notice, not if I go to hell, if I make my bed in hell. In other words, if I make my bed in a hellish situation, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. He knows you because he formed you. There is nothing about you that is a surprise to him. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you have any doubts about who you are, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And He didn't fearfully and wonderfully make you so that you could just choose your own plan for life. He's made you fearfully and wonderfully so that you could fulfill His call for your life. Have I said anything to you that's not in the Bible so far? Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Do you understand what he's saying? That even before you were made material matter, He knew you. He knew you before you became substance. And in your book, they, are all, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. In other words, my days were fashioned for me. Before I was substance, you fashioned my days. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of all of your thoughts for me. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. In other words... If you do something against God, you are no friend of mine. How can you be my friend if you hate God? Huh? Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. So, I'm, gonna, I'm going to change gears here a little bit, but you'll see where I'm getting to in a short while. When President Biden was running for office, before he was running for office, and he was Vice President to President Obama, who who were they running with? Who were they connecting with? What was the substance of their relationships? The substance of their relationships was that they wanted a social order. I want you to understand that what I'm talking to you now is not a political. This is about people that happen to be in po- politics. Are you all with me? Yes. you understand? I'm not trying to... Take a party here. I'm trying to show you something. President Obama signs an agreement with Iran that effectively allowed Iran to continue to to, uh, build uranium or to experiment with uranium so that it can have enriched uranium and create their own atomic weapons or nuclear weapons. He signs an agreement with them and then he delivers by aeroplane. I forget the number. I believe it was $1.5 billion that he delivered in cash, in an aeroplane to Iran because they signed that agreement. I ask you, do you know Do you know what the highest Khomeini, the highest uh, um, leader of Iran... So Iran is run as a theocracy country. Even though they have an administration in office, a theocracy, it means there's a spiritual leader who tells the government what to do. And that spiritual leader has said that the plan the the whole the whole plan of iran the purpose of iran is to wipe israel off the map and to do the same to america hello i'm not i'm not talking nonsense here these are facts you look at me like you think that are you in agreement with my facts Okay. I might have a billion short here or there, or half a billion or whatever, but in principle, that's that's the agreement that they signed. When President Donald Trump came into into office, he immediately canceled that agreement. And he started he started going after the terrorists that Iran were that were Iran was was funding. And of course his presidency was Very controversial because he killed so many of the top, top terrorists that were going after Israel and America. And then he has a son-in-law who's a Jew and he tasks him to sign and to work on an alliance with Israel from America, with America, that ended up with a thing called the Abraham Accord. And for the very first time, Israel signs a, an alliance against Iran with Saudi Arabia and other, one or two other Arab countries. Kuwait, I think, was one of them. But they, that was the essence of the Abraham Accord. And suddenly, it wasn't all the Arab nations that were together against Israel. Israel had an alliance with other Arab nations that were concerned about the power of Iran. Why am I talking to you about this? I'm getting talking to you about Ukraine and Russia in a minute. I'll get there again. Vice President Biden was part of the deal-making with Iran. He was also vice president to a man who was if he could have had another term, and he said so himself, that he would have run for another term and tried to stay in office another four years because he wanted to make America a social country, not a, demo, not a capital, de, capitalistic democratic country. He wanted to turn America into a socialistic government. So when President Biden comes into office, He appoints his cabinet. What do you think his cabinet looked like? Anybody like to know? Anybody know what he did? More than half of his cabinet are the people that were in the cabinet in the same positions or similar positions when he was with President Biden. Ah, Obama. So he just reappointed the people that Obama appointed. Who you are hanging out with is everything. Then he appoints Bernie Sanders, who is a professed communist and socialist, as one of his senior. He's the financial guy in america hello now they are talking about re-signing this accord with iran things look very bleak for america right now they really do. There is talk as inflation continues to grow. There is talk that if there is no curbing the inflation and if the Republican Party does not win the Senate and the the Congress, the House of Representatives, in this November election, that... Biden and Sanders and the people who are working with America will pass a bill that will get them to spend another six trillion dollars. That just means their inflation goes through the roof. You can't you can't just print money. Ask Zimbabwe. Huh? Pastor John, why are you talking about politics when we came to church? I'm not talking politics. I'm talking to you facts about what's happening to America. Why is it so important? Because America wants nothing to do with the Abraham Accord, they want nothing to do with Israel. Very low on their list. What does the Word of God say? Those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel are going to be cursed. America cannot afford to have another term with a president who goes against Israel. Why is that important? Because America is the only superpower that can effectively combat what China and Russia want to do. Europe doesn't have the stomach for it. I'm asking you this question. Do you think that Biden and all of Obama and all of those things that are happening, do you think that's just men's mental thoughts that they're thinking? Or do you think that the Bible is true, that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness? Come on, where's the fight in this world happening? Is it against men, flesh and blood, or is it against principalities and powers? So then what's happening on the global stage is not just something that a few men getting together in a corner and they say, let's make this, this, let's do this, let's allow so many immigrants across the border. And so they want to help secure Ukraine's sovereign democracy but in america they're opening the borders that half of half of mexico can come across into america why why you think this is just men's ideas if we see you won't switch on cnn or fox or ABC Network, or CWS, or whatever all the networks are in America, you won't switch on the television and they say, we just want to inform you of what the devil's done today through President Obama. Or you won't switch on and say, Bernie Sanders really got it in the ear from Satan today, and he's really, wish got to go him in jail. You're not going to hear that because they only think with their intellect and they think like men think and they talk like men talk and they become puppets of the spirit forces because their desires and their basic instincts are not to listen to God but to do what they will. So the enemy puts thoughts and ideas into their minds and then they follow up on what he puts into their minds. They become hands then they become tools in, in the hands of the enemy. If you don't think the devil is that sneaky, he's so sneaky that the only person that never knew sin, then chose to know sin, Adam and Eve, he even managed to get them to sin. The only people besides Jesus that were ever born perfect, he got them to give up their right. So if you don't think that the devil's sneaky... And that everything that's happening in your world is just about your thoughts and your desires and your basic instincts of what you think is right. And I, I, I go with my gut feel for what I've got to do next. And I think deeply about what I've got to do next. And I plan deeply about what I've got to do next. And if you think that actually the devil's got nothing to do with it, if you're not putting God into every conversation, every thought pattern, every emotional thing, then you're getting deceived already. So, Pastor John, do I need to be looking around every bush for a devil and a demon? No. But what you got to do is you got to put the Word of God as your first priority because then you don't have to look for the devils. God will show you where the devils are. And he will show you the, th- the thought patterns of the enemy that come to you. And you, if you, you I, I'm anxious. I'm anxious. That's not from God. Where does this anxiety come from? Where does this depression come from? Where does this, these words that I want to speak in anger, these words that I want to speak in, 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 out of emotional behavior, where do they come from? So you don't have to go and look for a devil. Yes, those are your lusts of your flesh at work. But when the devil sees you responding to the lust of the flesh all the time, he rides that. It attracts him like a beacon. I'll tell you what, when, when I'm speaking the Word of God, when I'm, when I'm speaking to Pastor Sharon, and I'm following the things that God wants me to do, and we're talking about the ways of God and the things of God, my light is shining, and it's the beacon to the to the enemy as well. He sees light speaking forth between us. Come on, if you could see words as shadows or light, which is basically what David was saying in Psalm thirty nine then you will see that your thoughts and your words can be shadows as in darkness or they can be light. But in God, He understands you so well, He knows all your thoughts, dark and light. So, whose will, Pastor Christie preached this very well. I don't have to say this again. Whose will is the only will in the universe? The only will in the universe that matters and that counts is the will of God. Right. And yes, He gave you a will, but He gave you a will for you to actually choose Him, not to choose darkness. He chose you to be, before, he, before you were even substance, He knew your ways and planned your ways. That's what Psalm 30, 139 says. Before you were born. So this should be this should be of great encouragement for to you. Because. I'm I'm trying to show you. That the enemy of God is working in nations and he's working in governments. And you may see America as a prosperous country that is the the superstar country of the world and it's the most desirable place to go and live and the most desirable place to go and be. Do you think there's no devils there? I'll tell you what, if you're out of the will of God in America, you're in more danger than you are in the will of God, living wherever God wants you to be. Well, how can that be? Because if you're out of the will of God, the protection is not there. So God has placed you. So I'm gonna talk about this for a little bit so that so that you I'm 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 wanting to show you from the Word of God, and I'm wanting to show you in real life how the enemy of God is is functioning. Do you know that this is real, real, real in America right now? That they, from, from kindergarten age, from five years old, they are already wanting, they are promoting an education um, prerogative not an option, an education prerogative. That every child must be taught over the age of, I believe it's five or seven years old, something like that. That they, have, they must be taught that they are gender neutral and that they can choose what gender they want to become. So far, there are two states in America that have banned that. That I know of. There might be more. I know Florida and Texas have banned that in their schools and they're not allowing that in their schools. And so they've come under tremendous attack because they've made a stand and said, you are not going to teach this to these kids until they reach a much older age. And so have you heard of this new thing that's going around, critical race theory? That you've got to apologize for being white? In America, do you know that? If you, th- if you think I'm exaggerating, go and do your own investigation. Yeah, you've got to go around apologizing for being white because your whiteness is by default racist because you were born into such a racist mindset that you actually have you don't know anything else other than to be racist so wherever you go you've got to apologize and they've got classes and they've got whole businesses that are being started that are actually helping white people apologize for being white i'm not talking about a few extreme left people in california The reason the governor of Virginia, who is a Republican, was chosen to be governor is because the parents went to school board meeting and they started rising up against the school to not allow critical race theory to be taught in their school, which prompted The Department of Justice, it prompted President Obama to write a letter to the head of the Department of Justice to treat parents who come against the school board as domestic terrorists. This is what's going on in America right now. Right now. There is a war on in America For the souls, the hearts, and the lives of all the children that are born in America. And before they even get born, there is millions and millions and tens of millions of children that are are aborted in America every year. So who do you think is behind all of this? Do you not think that this is a, there are demonic forces, principalities and powers? Does Jesus not say, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly? But he, the devil, is a thief. He's come to steal, to kill and to destroy. It's his nature. He doesn't know how else to do things. If we don't pray for South Africa... Let me tell you, what's happening in America is coming here. So we got to stand against it in prayer. we got to pray for the right leaders of our government to keep standing. And God must keep, we are a good people that do that. And so we must keep praying for them. Why am, I, why am I doing this? Well, if you think that the devil is not coming after your finances, if you think the devil is not coming after your educated mindset and wanting to influence your worldview, then you are already deceived. Because you give no credit to the devil that anything you are thinking and anything that you are behaving with and any way that you are going about your life has got anything to do with the devil. It's all about you. So either way, if it's your will and you don't give credit to the devil for influencing your will, then it's all about you and you're still deceived. You thought I was going to come back from America and I don't know what, but this is coming out of me. Hallelujah. If you think that the enemy of God is just going to leave you alone because you're saved, I'll tell you what, he's, he's ready to de- steal, kill and to destroy every human being on the planet he doesn't want any one of them to stay alive he's not picking out christians or non-christians it is his nature to go after all humans come on when god gave dominion of the earth to man he didn't just give it dominion to saved christian men he gave dominion to the earth to all men that would be born from Adam and Eve. Which is why we have dominion on the earth. And when the devil deceived Adam and Eve and gave, and they gave up the right of submission only to God's will. But they gave up the right of submission to his will too. Then he has a right to influence all men on the earth and to go after men on the earth. Hey. And so my declaration and my my teaching to you tonight is we've got to be awake. We cannot be asleep. This is a critical time of our existence where we cannot look at life like people that. They post things on Instagram and do things and talk about th- their lives and, and, and they, they're crazy. So come on, do you think that 50 years, let's make it 30 years, 30 years from now, let's consider what our world looked like 30 years ago. 30 years ago puts us at 1990. 30 years ago, puts us back at 1990. What was our world like in 1990 compared to now? I can tell you that in 1990, cell phone technology did not exist. Neither did the World Wide Web. Neither did YouTube. Neither, I mean, we were just getting, we were just happy to have SABC TV. I mean, multi-choice was just getting started and going those days. These young people don't even know what I'm talking about. (laughs) 30 years ago, none of the stuff that we live today on your phone all the time. Scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, scrolling and scrolling and answering and looking for for tweets and looking for... Posts and looking for stuff and living your life on a phone all the time when you're not doing something else. That's all happened in 30 years. What do you think the next 30 years is going to look like? You and I, if God didn't bring the most timely word to our ministry, which was, I will take the children... That's the most significant word that God has brought to this ministry. Because we have a chance with our children. Because if we live for God now, in 30 years time, the morality that is going to, either God's going to come or there's going to be such immorality on the earth that already identity politics is the number one thing that's happening in America. It's not your values, it's your identity. It's who you identify with and what you identify as. It's no longer about your character and about your morals. It's about who you run with, who you hanging out with. It's already there. It's been happening in the school system in America for the last 40 years. Okay, well, we're not going to America. Let's go to Europe. How, many, how, many, how much Christianity do you think exists in Europe? 90 plus percent of the people in Europe, they have no relationship with God. If they have a relationship with God, it's through a church and a priest. And they pray to a woman who's dead. And so we think Europe's got the answers for our children. So you think there's a career that we must pursue for our kids that will give them in 30 years time the right of life. That you can plan your child's career. You can even plan your life for the next 30 years. What do you think all of these people in the world are doing right now? America, Russia. Do you know that in Russia, President Putin has shut down the internet, shut down all, all of cell phone, t- because he doesn't want the people of Russia to know that his army is failing to take over Ukraine and that half of his soldiers didn't even want to fight against the U- Ukrainians. You think China is, is, is going to step back and say, Ugh, you know what, we've become a superpower strong enough now, we're going to just let the rest of the world go. China is after all of the Earth's resources, many of which are in Africa and South, South America, and they own so much of. America's borrowed money that they virtually are the biggest owner's creditor of America. China is. Pastor John, you're giving us a a modern day global news update. Yes. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call that if you think that the next 10 years is not going to be absolutely, there's going to be so much chaos on the earth in the next 10 years, then you are not connected spiritually and you're not reading the signs. So you are sleeping spiritually. Spiritually. So what's my job? I'm bringing you some hand grenades and some uh, bazookas and some big military weapons I'm bringing to you. And I'm saying, hey, wake up. you got some, some war to engage with here. you got some fighting to do here. Well, how do I fight against depression? Praise Him. I don't feel like it. Praise Him anyway. Well, how are you going to get rid of depression? Praise Him. I think I'll go to the doctor and see if I can get an antidepressant. Praise Him. Well what happens if I lose my job? Praise him. Okay, so let's 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 hold on a minute here. Which which God do you want to serve? Which God do you want to serve? Do you want to serve the God of money? How do you know? How do you know if you are not serving the God of money? If you are if you are not willing to give your money away to God, then you know that God, that you are, there is a contest happening for you. For the love of money. Not the ownership of money, but for the love of money. What about, uh, what about the God of sensual activities? If you don't think that the God that worships the bodies of people are not flooding the lives of every young person around the globe... You think that's just men and women? These are demonic forces that are using the airwaves to bring sensual, sexual behaviors into your very personal life so that it can control you and bind you and hold you and keep you captive. You think that's just humans? Oh, well, it's just my own own desire, my own thought. Where does that come from? What about ambition? What about becoming famous? What about becoming something significant? What about being able to walk around in society and say, look how significant I am? Who do you think cares about that? If God can't use it, then no one else cares about it. Even though they may, they may, for a while, treat you with honor and dignity and respect. They don't really care for you. Given a choice, they're going to choose someone else that's going to be the next thing that they can benefit from. Hey. So, we have we have powerful weapons we have a weapon that is a helmet it's a weapon it's a defensive weapon it's the helmet of salvation and it says i'm saved i belong to jesus christ and i will belong to no other i put on every day my helmet of salvation and i say today i worship you lord i honor you i give you first place in my life it's my weapon it's my salvation I have on a breastplate that is, of, that is made of righteousness. My breastplate of righteousness that says that even though the enemy wants to accuse me of my behavior, I stand with this shield on, this, this breastplate on, that says I am righteous before God. And I have a, I have a weapon that's called the belt of truth and I gird my loins with truth. I don't allow other people to tell me how I should live my life. I live my life by the truth of God's word. I, everywhere I go, I have shoes on. And my shoes are peace. And everywhere I go, I preach the gospel of peace. I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does this do for me? It says I put Jesus first place all the time. And then, of course, I've got a big, beautiful shield right in front of me that I clasp firmly and it's the shield of faith and every fiery dart that the enemy sends my way anxiety any kind of financial issues any kind of relational issues anything I just get, put that shield of faith in and said my God's got all the truth and all the answers and I stand behind the shield of faith yes. yes. hallelujah. hallelujah and then I've got a beautiful sword It's it's the sword of the Word of God. It's the sword of the Spirit that's in my hand. And I can wage warfare with it. And I can slice and dice the enemy and, and bring down every stronghold that he puts in my mind. Because my weapons of my warfare are not carnal. They are not human. They are not fleshly. But they are spiritual and they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds that the enemy is bringing against me through every way and method in me. and mean. He's trying to bring me down and trying to dash my future and take my hope away from me. And I say no to that. Hallelujah. There is a war on this at this moment in time. It's a war for the young generation because, because let me tell you that the young generation are no longer looking to anybody for an identity of how they should live their lives if the person is older than 35 If you're 35 years old and you're wanting to influence a 20 year old or a 15 year old, you got zero chance without God. You're too old. At 35, you're too old to influence somebody young. Who are the biggest influencers? I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find out who I am. I'm trying to find out what I'm supposed to be doing with my life because, after all, I'm only 20. So, what do I do with my life? But God, but Jesus. So Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to come and before you were even substance, I planned your days and I'm going to come and die for you because there's no one else that can come and die for you and I'm going to die for you and I'm going to go and take all of that stuff and I'm going to. Give you the freedom to live in grace and power and the Holy Spirit. I have a future for you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a hope for you. I planned it before you were even born. I knew your days. I numbered your days. I counted you. I knew your heart. I knew you before you were even formed. Before you read, go and meditate on Psalm 139 this whole week. Do it for the whole rest of the month. I'll tell you, you will begin to just be filled with the purposes of God and begin to understand that actually you and I have got a great future. And the difference that the church needs to make in the future is that if we stand strong for Jesus, the people are going to flock to us for answers because we the only hope of the human race it's not the government of the United States of America or the European Union. They don't have the answers. If they had the answers, they would have dealt with Putin already. If they had the answers, they would have kept Great Britain in the European Union because they were a big contributor to the success of the European Union. So the European Union, watch my words, they're already falling apart. So, Pastor John, do you know all of these things? I've made it my business because there's something inside of me that God has put inside of me, and that is that it's for this time. It's for this time. Because there's a young generation that are growing up and the world is saying, this is what you've got to do with your life. This is how you've got to consider your sexual identity. This is how you've got to consider your racism or lack of racism. This is what you must think of yourself. And you must find it on YouTube and the next dancer on TikTok and the next whatever it is. And that's where you can find an identity. And then, by the way, if you don't find it there, all your friends at school have got it. And they'll tell you how to find it. And if you can't find it with them, then they're going to become your next role model. Because the 30-year-old doesn't understand you. Because the first thing you do when you're 16, when you wake up in the morning, is reach for your phone and see what is the next trending Twitter sensation. Oh, sorry, no, that's too old already for the 16-year-olds. Instagram. Pastor John, some tough stuff you've said tonight it's truth, some of it is facts, and some of it is truth. The facts are what they are, and you may go and research the facts and see if anything that I've said tonight is materially displaced. I might have a few details here or there that i you may say, well it's not 1, 1.5 billion it was 3.5 billion, or you might say, it's only. The, sorry for that. So here's what happened is that when we went to president's cabinet with Brother Jerry Savell, he asked Carolyn Savell to preach in one of the sessions, and she preached. The, her message was the end times. And so she had a big board up there. And I'm gonna, I'm finished now. Really, I am. I'll let you go. But come on, you're enjoying this. You're enjoying this so much, you don't want to go home. We can camp out here tonight. Right? We're in camp meeting. <laughs> but, you know, so the Brother Jerry asked her to... She had this board there, and, and this board was... Tribulation, post-tribulation, pre-tribulation, the ju- the great seat of judgment and the judgment throne and, and all of the you know all of the stuff that everybody talks about the end times. And so we sitting in the president's cabinet here and we thinking, I said to Sharon, you when I look at this board, I wonder what she's gonna say because everybody ever talk about all of that stuff has all got it wrong. Till now. So she gets up and she starts talking about everything that I'm telling you tonight. And I said to Pastor Shannon afterwards, I said, you know, and so Brother Jerry has tasked her to preach this message for three Sundays in Heritage of Faith Church in Crowley because he considers this message to be so important. Everything that I've said to you tonight is not what she said. I didn't listen to her message more than that one time but everything she said, I already knew that. Guess what it has done to my faith? It's just, it's just, it's just made my faith sore because I know that what God has, I have never shied away and I never will shy away from dealing with the enemy of God and the things that come against the church I will never shy away from that I will meet it head on because if we can't deal with it in the church then who else is going to deal with it in the Christian home Christian homes don't want to talk about this stuff in case they get it in case they are already wrong So if you've already made a lifestyle choice and you're already in a pattern and a habit, you don't want to talk about this stuff. Because then you've got to admit that you've been doing things wrong till now. And so then what does that mean? That means, well, if I'm wrong, then wow, I've got to face myself that I'm wrong about it. But that's the most powerful place to be. Because the minute you can face yourself and say, I've been wrong about it, you can repent before God and you can let Him show you what to do next. If you, don't, if you don't hear what I'm saying today and you're not prepared to go and talk about it and actually go to the Word about it and actually see God's face about it, then you can't get the truth. Then you will continually be deceived and lied to. And at some point in time, what will happen is that either God is going to be forced to allow you to be judged by your actions because He loves you that much that He wants to get you back. So you will be judged. Or the enemy of God is going to take you out. And just by the way, the Apostle Paul had the authority to say... I have handed your body over to the enemy, to the devil, so that your soul may be saved. He recognized that there were some people that were so stubborn in their flesh that the only way to save their soul for eternity was to let them actually experience in the natural what death is like. Yes, there are people like that in the church born-again Christians, that are that stubborn that God has to let them die early, in other words, so that they don't turn their back on God for eternity. Well, if you're here tonight, I'm glad that you heard this message. Because I want to I want to tell you that my faith is not in Cyril Ramaphosa. I don't have my faith in him. I pray for him. I think he does a lot of things right. I think he's got a he's got a real political war on his hand from the day that he was put into office by the ANC. So so I understand that there's things that I think as a born-again Christian that he is and as a good moral man that he is. I think there's more that he would like to do to change our country, but politics prevents him from it. And so he's taking his time. But our prayers are making a way for him to bring and expose corruption in our nation. But my faith is not in Cyril Ramaphosa. My faith is in Jesus Christ. I've told you this before. My faith is not in your tithes. My faith is in what I do with my finances to trust God. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've, my trust for my protection is not in whether I can have got a panic button. My trust in God is in God. My trust is in the Word of God. And let me tell you, I just, I've got to just say this because the Holy Spirit is all over me. We have had a situation where Pastor Sharon was sitting in a car. Garth was, I don't know how old he was, 16, when he had that piano lesson. He had a, he had a music lesson and, and, and Sharon was sitting outside waiting for him and these guys came up to the car and uh, one man just leant over the car and he held his gun like this at her another man came and got in the car and sat next to her in the car and took her handbag started going through her credit cards took all the money took a ring off her finger and there was another man who stood there by the gate and the minute Garth came out when his music lesson was finished he stood there and he took the gun and he put the gun to Garth's head and just like that, they disappeared. They disappeared. How many how many circumstances do you think have an outcome like that? Most of the time, somebody's injured, somebody's dead, or the car's stolen, or the car and the people are stolen. Yes? yes. So some people, so that happened many, many years ago. Goth was about 16 or thereabouts. So I'm wanting you to know that if you think that when I say my protection is in God, not in a panic button, it was God who saved Sharon. It wasn't there because there was a policeman nearby. It was God because they didn't know what to do with themselves. They just had to walk away from the car. So Sharon phoned me and she said, John, you this is what happened. I said, babes, the ring's no problem. I phoned the credit card company, put a hold on the, all the credit cards and all the money. They never got anything. They just took her, her, her. Yeah, Sharon was there sitting in the car reading the Bible while she was waiting for God. And so when this thing happened, she was reading the Bible. You understand what I'm saying? That if you put for God first place in your life, it doesn't matter what the threat is. It doesn't matter what the threat is. Uh, Some people leave South Africa and move to another country because of an event like that. Oh, South Africa is going to the dogs. We've got to prepare for a different kind of future. Oh, go for it. See if you're safer in America. Or Europe. Ask those people that were all walking on holiday on the promenade of Nice when a guy rode with his truck all the way through them and just killed hundreds of people with his truck on, uh, in Nice in France. Well, that wasn't me. But it could be. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to make you wake up. Spiritually, you've got to be making choices. Spiritually, you've got to be making decisions that say, the future of this world that we are living in, that our children are growing up in, is not because our government is going to make all the right decisions for us. Or that some other country's government is going to make the right decisions for us we have got to put our trust in the living God who will be on our side. Yeah. And then we can go like a prophet's wife could do and go to the prophet and say, because your servant feared the Lord, do something about it, prophet. Yes. Hallelujah. We have a living God that we can go to we have a living holy spirit that lives within us we have jesus christ is our savior and we can go to him and we can trust him we can depend on him we can rely on him our salvation our salvation is that we give god praise that we give Him honor with our finances. We give Him honor with the fruit of our lips and the thanksgiving of our heart every day. Our trust is not in any system. Our trust is in Jesus. Our trust is in the Word of God. And He is always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, He is forever the same. The Bible says that in him there is no shadow of turning. You cannot find darkness in him. He is all light. And he is always the same. He will never change. Never change. I can stake my life on it. Hallelujah. And so, you know, it is possible that you may have had experiences we've had experiences I just got through telling you about one you know just because you're a Christian doesn't mean to say the devil's not going to try and come and actually steal your life and just because you're a Christian it doesn't mean that the devil is going to leave you alone but but like Jerry Savell says Kenneth Copeland says all those men that we are connected to and many others says read the back of the book we win Okay, this is my last close. <laughs> this is my last close. The Apostle Paul had such a revelation. Understand this. Just understand this with me for a minute. has a man who's been put in prison by governments many times. He's been beaten by governments many times. He's been attacked by religious people many times. He's been shipwrecked, he's been bitten by a viper that was a venomous snake that should have killed him. He was left for dead many times. And at the end of all of the stuff that he's gone through, he speaks and he says, I know what it's like to have nothing and I know what it's like to have a lot. People don't like to hear me say, he, knows, he knew what it was like to have nothing. Well, what do you think you've got when you've being put in prison by a, by a government? I mean, you, in chains, you've got nothing. Maybe not even proper clothes on. They just beat you and then tie you to a wall, and there you are. Maybe they'll feed you, maybe they won't. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, if that happened to you, and you went to be with Jesus, you would be welcomed in heaven. Which is why Christ, for the Apostle Paul says, for me to live... He's Christ. But for me to die is my gain. I don't lose. For me to live is Christ. Why? Because if I live for Christ, I've got everything I ever need. And so what happens, what does it matter if you suffer some kind of earth-shattering, something that happens to you because you're a Christian? Don't let the devil lie to you and say to you, you can't trust God anymore. So many Christians have left God because something happened to them and they say, I can't trust God anymore. But they won't look at him at themselves. And they won't look at how they've been influenced with the devil, by the devil. They'll blame God. And they say, why God didn't God? And the Apostle Paul is so understanding of this that this temple of the body, this body that I live in, is so temporary, and and yet it is is my my vehicle for everything. It's so temporary, but it's a necessary vehicle for everything. And so why, why should I let the devil take the lusts and the desires of this body and this flesh and control my future eternally? Why don't I give this body to Him so that He can take my eternity and, convert and make it glorious? Hallelujah. i got one more thing to say. If you give your life to God and He wants you to be a politician who's in politics and wants you to actually have a voice in politics, I promise you He will see to it that you get connected to the right people and that you will have a place in politics. How can you say that? Well, just look at Daniel's life. Daniel didn't have to try and get before the king. He was a slave. Took him to come serve me. You're my slave. Do what I tell you. Yes, sir. But suddenly this man's got wisdom. This man's got stuff. He's got, he knows stuff. If God wants you to be a financier, a financier of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. Money will be attracted to you. the Bible says that He makes you rich and He adds you no sorrow with it. That sorrow is working the way the world system works. So there are many people that say, I'm called to the ministry of finance, but they want to work, they workaholics. So what they've just done is they say, I'm addicted to work, so I'll call myself a financier of the gospel of Jesus. don't shout me down because I'm preaching good now. If you, if you are called by God to be a financer to the ministry of finances in the body of Christ, it will be like God just gives you ideas and He just opens things up, doors open, and money comes to you and it just flows to you. It just flows. And you don't even have to work hard for it. You just have to, He'll tell you to phone this person, call that person, do this, do that, and it'll just flow to you. It just flows. I'm not saying that you don't have to work. You do need to work, but you don't have to work the way the world works. The world says the only way you can be successful is the harder you work, the better you perform. And the better you're going to get in money. That's not what God says. God says, seek me first. And these things will be added to you. Listen, if God can multiply one little jar of oil for a prophet's wife, then He can do anything. If He can feed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fishes, He can do anything. If He can turn water into wine, He can do anything. If He... Let me tell you, God is no man's debtor. He uses Peter's boat... And the next minute, the guy's almost a millionaire. His boat was so full of fish that he had to call his partners to come and fill their boats with fish. And then his partner's boat nearly sank. And I'm telling you now, if there was a third partner that had a third boat, their boat would have been filled up too. God just spoke a word, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, won't you all stand with me please? Praise the Lord, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, hallelujah, praise you Lord. Do you understand that the condition of everything I've been talking about today, tonight, this morning, this afternoon and tonight is about your heart? It's not about what's going on around you, it's about us. It's about what's in your heart. And your heart is going to be filled with light or dark. Fill it with the Word of God. Fill it with praise. Fill it with His words. Fill it with His love. Be filled with all the things of God. Fill, you, fill yourself with praise. Fill yourself with thanksgiving. And watch how God begins to order things for your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. will not you put your hand on your heart, please? You know the drill by now. Thank you, Lord, that I'm a son of God. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my future. Because I'm a son of God and I give myself to you, all good things will be mine. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can somebody shout to me at the back there, how long did I preach tonight? Somebody in the back should be able to tell me how long I preached for. What? One hour hour fifty. I was just about to say, when I was in America, I had to sit through two or three services where Kenneth Copeland preached almost three hours. But the Kenneth Copeland anointing came on me tonight. I didn't get to three hours, but I did one hour fifty. Hallelujah. But tomorrow is another day. But we are in camp meeting, praise Jesus. This is the reason we came to get the Word of God. We came for the Word to change us and to grow us and to pull us forward. Hallelujah. Glory to God. May your evening be blessed. May your sleep be sweet. May your dreams be filled with angels and the ways of God and the things that God has for your future. May the peace of God and all of the glory of His anointing rest upon you. And I will see you tomorrow morning and you will be smiley and full of joy and jumping up and down shouting and screaming the blessing of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, bye everybody.